Welcome, everybody, to another Steiner Show podcast. This is Mark Steiner, and I'm glad you are picking us up this morning. Uh, we're continuing our look at DACA and how it's affecting people in our community. We are joined today by Yvette Papo, who is an alum at the University of Maryland Carey School of Law and a DACA holder. Yvette, welcome. Good to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, great having you here. And in our studio are Maureen Sweeney, who directed the Immigration Clinic at the University of Maryland Carey School of Law since 2004 and as a founding board member of the Maryland Immigrant Rights Coalition. Good to have you back, Maureen. Thank you. And good to have Rena Shaw back, who is executive director of the Maryland Access to Justice Commission and former director of Human Rights Project at the Maryland Legal Aid Bureau. And Rena, good to have you back. Thank you, Mark. So we're going to cover here in time we have um, a, a number of areas about where this might take us legally and what you all are looking at. But I, 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 I'd like to start with you. I mean, I think this – to be in the position um, of the 800,000 people in our country uh, who are – DACA holders, for want of a better term, um, and being kind of shifted from this gray no man, no person's land to um, the ability to get a job and go to school to uncertainty now. I, I'm I'm very curious about what's happening with you, uh, just emotionally, and 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 what's happening with your friends who are in the same situation. Um. I'm sure you can imagine that emotionally it has been very difficult for me and for my family and for my friends who are in um, this position. Um, the anxiety that I have experienced since um, President Trump was elected has been great, um, and I'm not a person who previously had anxiety. Um, and so I feel, you know, a sense of betrayal. I think, um, considering that I've been in this country for 15, almost 16 years now, and that I have given everything that I have for this country for it to be kind of pulled from me with just a swipe of a pen is, is, is very hurtful, I will say. So what, what do you think the actions are that you and others and people who support you all can take or should be taking right now? Um, I mean, I think one action is speaking out, as I'm doing right now, um, advocating and letting people know the real story of what it is like to be a documented um, person. I think a lot of people are misinformed, and I think that the media is also um, helping in misinforming people about who we are and what we contribute. I think that being reduced to just, you know the economic outcome uh, of America is a little offensive to say that, oh, you know, all these documented people contribute this much money to our economy. I think we need to make it more humane. And I think that putting, uh, I guess, a voice or a face to the concept of being documented is a way to do that. And I, I'm going to come back to that, these last two points you just you, you just made, Yvette. But let me come into the studio for a minute, Maureen and Rena. Maureen, so I mean, legally, what does this mean? I mean, what – I think a lot of people are really confused about what is the legal ground people stand on. Yeah, well, DACA has always been a little hard to describe because it never created for people a, a secure status. And – that from the very beginning, we need to understand that DACA was always a second best stopgap measure. Uh, the the real uh, responsibility for for fixing this problem is with Congress. Congress needs to pass 
a law that would amend our immigration statute to um, to provide some kind of uh, formal and um, uh, permanent or secure status for people. And uh, Congress failed to do that. The DREAM Act has been pending in Congress, has been introduced into Congress for over a decade now. Um, people like Jeff Sessions as a senator voted against uh, actually having Congress do its job. And it was when the DREAM Act failed in 2010 that the Obama administration said, well, we're going to formalize the procedures that we already have to exercise uh, prosecutorial discretion so that they can be more uh, uniform and more fairly applied um, in, a, in a more comprehensive kind of way. And that's where DACA came from. Um, now it's a little disingenuous, frankly, of the, admin of the current administration to claim that um, that this is unconstitutional. Frankly, it's not unconstitutional. We can talk about that if you want, but um, uh, that it that DACA is unconstitutional. The DACA is unconstitutional. Right, right, right. Um, but that it's uh, that they're just trying to force Congress to do its job when Congress all along could have been doing its job, and people like our current Attorney General opposed. So this is this is when you said procedure, procedural. I mean, so this is not it's not law. This is a this is a federal procedure that gives certain rights to eight hundred thousand people in our country, but it's not law, right? Well, it isn't is, that part of the problem? It, it it's not a statute passed by Congress, right? right. So the the immigration law has lots of different different parts. the 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 main, most secure part of it is the statute that was passed by Congress, our Immigration and Nationality Act. Um, but all around that are countless executive policies and uh, procedures that are either in regulations or just in policy memos. Uh, and that is part of the law. It's, it's less secure than the statute, but it is part of the law. And those policies uh, include, as one of them, this DACA procedure and the proceedings that have been put up around exercising prosecutorial discretion for this discrete group of people. So in a larger sense here, I mean, you, you've been dealing with human, fighting for human rights issues for a long time, Rena. So I, I, and how do we redefine this conversation? I mean, I think it's really difficult at the moment. You see, most people in most polls say that they don't think that the uh, people who are come under DACA should be deported. But, you know, then you have this split taking place where people are saying, okay, 800,000 people, maybe they, they can stay, but not their parents, not their families, not the other 10 million. So, and this, that's the, I can see that's the deal they're trying to make in Congress right now. Yes. I mean, I think, I think it, to me it all goes back to um, there is a lot of misinformation, as Yvette was saying, and uh, a lot of sort of, you know, I just see how the media can sort of manipulate things and present them, you know, these people came here illegally, illegal aliens. That term has, you know, gone out of use because these are, you know, especially for the DACA kids. They came here. They didn't have any choice um, whether they could come or not. And that's the reason. But when we think about it, you know, immigration is a broken system because we don't think about humans. We don't think about families. We don't think about how people, you know, live. Uh, the systems, the way they are set up are inhumane, unfortunately. Um, I think there's, you know, the way that we proceed with this and that, you know, the immigration advocacy community has been saying, people are here, they 
this is the country that they know. This is the country that they, um, you know, belong to. I mean, I'm sure we all read the story about that gentleman who rushed into Hurricane Harvey. Um, he was an un, you know, an undocumented immigrant. He got his boat. He rushed into Hurricane Harvey to help whoever, because that is the spirit they consider themselves. These are our neighbors. These are the people that we want to help. This is how people operate on a human-to-human level. Unfortunately, our policies don't reflect how people are willing to work with each other, live with each other, be in the same um, neighborhood, the same economy, and support each other in those very strenuous times of need. Um, when everything else takes takes hold, I think all of that falls apart. So I think it's always going back to the human story, always trying to understand how families operate, and that families want to be together and live together and you know nourish in, in this home together that they find to be their home. So Yvette, I mean, let, let's, let's pick up there. Talk, talk about that, that story. I mean, so how your family came here, why they came here. To piggyback on what I said about the misinformation, right? And so it's not everyone who came here by jumping over a wall or a fence <laughs> or... Right. I mean, let's be, let's be real, right? So I'm from West Africa. There is no wall that separates West Africa from the United States. There's actually an ocean. <laughs> and so <laughs> we didn't swim. Um, and, and for the record, I don't know how to swim. And so um, we, we got on a plane. We came here legally. We were inspected. We came here on a visa. And we started the process like we're supposed to. We, um, we you know, got into the system and figured out we got our Social Security. We figured out, okay, how do we get our correct paperwork before this visa expires? The process, like Professor Sweeney said, is broken. It's completely broken because fast forward 15 years, I'm still here and I don't have any status. I don't. And so, yes, it's easy for people who don't understand the situation or don't understand the process to say, why don't they just apply for citizenship? Why don't they just do it the right way? Um, The right way is, number one, costly. The right way is emotionally taxing. The right way, which is what we are currently trying to do, takes forever. And sometimes you don't get an answer, right? And so, the only reason we ended up on DACA was because um, while we were doing it the right way, they just stopped responding. They didn't renew our paperwork, and so we had to do something. I think that the idea that we all just, you know, we, we, we were brought here illegally is not the only story. My story, as I just told you, is completely different. Right. Um, we came to America because my parents wanted a better life for us. And by us, I mean my brother and I. Um, and so we came here to go to school and to get the proper education and so that we could, um, you know, live the American dream, which is ironic considering we are now called dreamers. Um, <laughs> but that's why we came here. We, we didn't come here to take anyone's spot or to, uh, you know, take the benefits of America for free. We actually have been paying taxes. We have been paying, I paid out of pocket to go to undergrad and law school, $120,000 and counting out of pocket cash. And so the idea that we are here to take the spots of hardworking Americans or that we are taking jobs from, um, you know, 
that otherwise like legal Americans would have is completely made up. It's completely ludicrous because that's not what's happening. We interview for these jobs, we pay to get the degrees, and we're here because we also want to live the life that America has promised everyone else. What's so wrong with that? So, so let me a quick a quick question here, um, Yvette, before I come back to the studio. I mean, do you are you feeling threatened at the moment? Do you feel your future is threatened? Do you feel like your being is threatened at the moment with what's happening? I initially felt threatened, but um, I am a woman of faith, and so I know that for as long as I've been here, and for as many presidents that have been here while I've been here. <laughs> I think that I'm going to be okay, and I I take I take comfort in knowing that you know my faith has kept me, and it will continue to keep me, whether it's Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or whoever is in the White House. I know that I will be okay. So no, I'm not under any feelings of threat. So now, Maureen, you talked when we were walking in the studio here today. We were talking about you were talking about Operation Mega. Right. So this, uh, the cancellation of the DACA program is in a context of really heightened enforcement um, by this administration and um, no holds barred enforcement. Uh, so the, the DHS had been planning something they were calling Operation Mega, which was a, uh, a push to do a big enforcement sweep nationwide and pick up 8,400 people before September 30th, which is the end of the fiscal year. Uh, there are those who felt that that was calculated to up the numbers to justify a, a, an increase in a request for resources for detention and deportation. I don't know whether that's the case or not. Um, it's certainly consistent with what we've seen from this administration, which has uh, conducted enforcement uh, at a rate. Uh, it's we've we've. Enforcement has risen by 30 to 40 percent since President Trump came into office. Um, and some of it, they, they claim that they are targeting uh, people with criminal convictions and, and other people on the enforcement priorities list. But the truth of the matter is that the majority of people picked up are what they're calling collateral damage. They just are people that happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, um, but were otherwise uh, removable or out of status. So they, they picked them up. So. The, the reality is that this is the, the, the rescission of the DACA program is part of a policy of deporting anybody and everybody that they can. Uh, and they, and that's, I think it's an important thing to, um, to make that point, that this is a policy choice that they're making to target people who are clearly by all measures contributing tremendously to our communities. Yvette is too modest to say it, but she actually was given school-wide awards at her graduation. She also was the recipient of a nationwide award for law students because of, of who she is and what she's done. Um, these young people are contributing amazing things to our communities. Um, and there is a, there's a, a, a narrative being thrown about that we need to return to the rule of law, and that's why we have to cancel DACA. Um, the truth of the matter is that DACA is completely constitutional and lawful. It, it is in a long line of decisions that began with the case of John Lennon versus INS, 
back in the 70s when the government decided not to deport John Lennon for his marijuana not a conviction in England. Right. Exactly. Right. Uh, so th this is a very long uh, tradition and and a part of our law. It's it's recognized in regulations. There's you know there's no real doubt that it's constitutional. What it is is a policy decision to target any foreign person, frankly. Uh, and this administration has gone forward with that very aggressively. And and Operation Mega is another manifestation of that same policy decision. And Rena, what is this? What, so where do you think, again, let's go back to where this takes us, because if we, <clears throat> what's being set up now, it seems to be as a debate um, that's, as I said earlier, that's, that, that is attempting to set the American mind up that there's a difference between 800,000 young people under DACA and their parents and 10 million others who may be undocumented people in our country. You know, we will let DACA stay, but uh, we're, but the sacrificing maybe all these other folks we're going to come after and take away. We've already seen people in our own city of Baltimore that have been picked up, um, just picked up and put in jail and sent away. You know, there was a gentleman who was sitting in his car with a with his friend, and they, they pulled up, pretending to be city police, and showed that they were ICE. They pulled him out, took him away. He's now out, pending uh, trial. Uh, and another case where. A, uh, a a man was dropping his daughter off at Hampstead Hill School. I drove away. I stopped, picked him up, took him away. So I mean, things were afoot. So wh where do you think this takes us politically? Um, I mean, again, what Maureen was providing was the larger context of the immigration um, sort of policies changes that have happened with this administration. But we cannot forget, you know, how uh, this president started his uh, campaign. Right. I mean, the first thing that were out of his mouth were Mexicans and rapists and all of this rhetoric. And the rhetoric has all been about creating the other. Right. And I think his presidency has been all about creating the other. And if you juxtapose, you know, um, whites, the other is anyone who is pretty much not white. And uh, immigration is not limited to people who are white or non-white or whatever. Right. But definitely the targeting has been towards the communities that are, you know, brown or black. Um, and so, you know, where does this take us? This takes us um, to really think it's all about elections. It's all about representation. It's all about thinking, you know, if you really want to think long term, you have to be out there, be active about voter registration, be active about voting. And really, you know, for all the people who are thinking, well, how can I make a change in this? Right now, it is really about calling the representatives and not just thinking, you know, this false dichotomy between DACA and all other immigrants, etc. No, it's really standing up for your neighbors. It's really standing up for the communities and everyone who's participating in this and say humanly that this is what we stand for. You know, we are for everyone. And the false narratives really about other people taking your jobs and this and that, not, you know, we really have to be able to provide the stories that these are not other people's jobs. You know, these these jobs, otherwise, you know, <laughs> there have been so much um, written hurricanes hitting, you know, Houston and Irma, et cetera. And people are like, well, we need people to rebuild. 
everyone needs to be in here to rebuild, right? People are actually thinking about shortages in in people who are going to be able to help reconstruct and rebuild. So, you know, I just think that everyone who really cares about these issues has to be active in contacting the people who are their representatives and really saying these are false dichotomies and that we stand with everyone, all immigrants, and that we, you know, eschew this white and other. And, you know, at the heart of this presidency and at, at the heart of all of these policies is really that. And that's really what people need to band together and fight against. So let me, do you want to say, you to say something? Well, no, I was going to uh, put this in a, in a sort of a bigger context in terms of the, the immigration debate. Uh, we have over the course of the last 30 years probably seen a shift in the way people talk about what motivates immigration and what are the dynamics behind immigration. It used to be that we talked about immigration as it was, which is a very complex phenomenon of human beings responding to very strong, what they call push and pull factors, right? Mm -hmm. There are things that push people out of where they live, violence, extreme poverty, um, uh, being targeted for who they are. Uh, these are all what they call push factors. And then there are pull factors, things like Yvette was talking about, opportunity, the chance for an education, the chance to earn a better living. Family can be a pull factor. Uh, and we used to have this complex conversation about what motivates migration and how we should respond to it on a human level, as Reno was talking about. Um, over the course of the last 30 years, it's become a law enforcement issue. And it's about the rule of law, and it's about breaking the law. And once you have um, somebody who has done something outside the law and, and violated not a criminal provision, but a civil provision in our law, that has become an absolute on-off switch. And once somebody has done that, they're labeled a lawbreaker. And all of those complex and very powerful human motivations are just disregarded. Uh, and I think that's part of what we need to realize about this moment with DACA, but the bigger moment in terms of the targeting of immigrants is that we have we, we have the power as a nation to make these policy decisions, to say, yes, we recognize the human impulses that bring people uh, to want to be unified with their family, to want to provide opportunity to their children, to want to be safe from the violence that they're fleeing, uh, and that if we can recognize those very legitimate motivations for migration, then that can can reinsert some humanity and some and some uh, nuance and responsiveness to our system. There's nothing lawless about a system that recognizes human realities. Well, speaking of law and lawlessness, let me conclude by asking the the three of you what you think our response should our response should be. What do we do to defend? young people who are come under DACA and their families. What is it? What, is, what should our response be? Stand in the way of ICE, put people up in our homes, go to jail. What should our response be? Well, there's a whole range of responses people can make depending on their interests. There is actually a really interesting group here in Baltimore called uh, Sanctuary, Sanctuary Streets Baltimore, uh, which is accompanying people to ICE check-ins and to appointments in the criminal courts. You can find them online. Uh, and if people are interested in volunteering to just go be a presence with somebody as they go to, the, to a check-in, 
that is, um, I think, a terrific uh, program. Uh, and uh, so that's one sort of very on-the-ground kind of response people can make. The other thing, as Rena said, at this point, uh, the president was very intentional in throwing the DACA question to Congress. And there, there is a need to flood Congress with uh, positive messages about providing relief, not just for DACA holders, but for immigrants generally, uh, and looking at that bigger picture. I would say that's the most concrete thing people can do right now is to go to Congress. And I would just add that if you're an attorney um, and, you know, there there is a great need, uh, I think people need to understand their rights, know their rights, know what the timelines are, you know, what the specific provisions of this, uh, this uh, order was, um, that, you know, people need to understand that. So I would say if you're an attorney and you can volunteer, there are clinics that are being planned in Baltimore and in other places um, that you should, you know, do that. That's a very important thing. And then I would really say just people in general, this is such an emotional issue that has been twisted and turned by politicians. And the best, if you have any human empathy for other people that are in this position. Can you just imagine Yvette's life? I myself am an immigrant, and I'm a citizen, so I don't have to worry about this right now. But we all know, I mean, from the Muslim ban, my parents were overseas in India when the Muslim ban was in effect. They are citizens, but citizens were being detained. I mean, it was just lawlessness, right? So all immigrants feel under threat. The best thing you can do is really talk to another person. Get out of your comfort zone and hear their stories and be human and be moved by it and then take action. You, you cannot be in your own little world and, and not really see how it's really affecting people on such a deep level. Yvette Papo? She took the word right out of my mouth. <laughs> uh, I'm a big fan of changing the narrative, and I think that you can be, you know, a champion in doing that by having me on this show and by just knowing the real stories and sharing them with other people so that they know that there's a human behind those words. It's not just DACA. There are human beings. There are families. There are lives behind those. And, and people need to know that. Well, and, and everybody needs to know that, that uh, Yvette Papo, you know, who's an alum of the University of Maryland School of Law, and a DACA holder, and any person under DACA, any person not under DACA who's in this country, their voice can be heard on these podcasts because that's what we're open to, and we're going to put that out there as much as we can. I want to thank Yvette for being with us. It's been great to have you with us. Maureen Sweeney, who is the head of the Immigration Clinic at the Carrier School of Law, and Rena Shaw, who's the Executive Director of Maryland Access to Justice Commission. Good to have all of you with us. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for having us. And good luck to all of our brothers and sisters in DACA and immigrants to this country. And this is Mark Steiner, folks. I want to thank you for joining our podcast today. The show is produced and edited by Calvin Perry. Uh, you can download it at steinershow.org or from your favorite podcasting app. Let your friends know. And let us know what you think. Write me directly at mark, M-A-R-C, at steiner, S-T-E-I-N-E-R, show.org. Mark at steinershow.org. And we'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new podcast. <laughs>